This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome to Commentary Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm John, and with me today is... Charlene. Of To The Journey. To The Journey! Yes, the uh, Voyager podcast on the wonderful Trek FM network. And uh, Char, let me say thank you very much for joining me on this journey today, as Mike and Max have been waylaid by some Ferengi traders uh, down Again? Yeah, I know, right? They can't Every stay time. away from the tro- Tropic of Cancer, and uh, so there you go. You know, <laughs> they don't understand. They'll never learn. Yeah. But I hope they're at least having fun. I yeah, I hope so. I've seen some uh, I've seen some pictures uh, that they transmitted from their their away mission, and uh, it sure seems like they're they're having a good time. So very good. Well, thank you very much for having me, and it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. Uh, so this is the second episode in our series on Kate Mulgrew, uh, of course, Captain Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. And for this episode, we'll be looking at her work as Red on the Producers Guild winning series Orange is the New Black, uh, one of the Netflix original series that has uh, completed two seasons at this point, I think. Yes, two, and they've shot the third, and that's going to come out this summer. Okay, so the third season is coming out this summer. And uh, the show has gotten a lot of positive press. A lot of people enjoy it. And uh, it. I will be very upfront and say that I have made it about halfway through the first season in okay. preparation for this show. I am enjoying it. But, Char, I, especially coming from the perspective of somebody who is a Kate Mulgrew fan, I wanted to get your impression of the show. What are your thoughts about Orange is the New Black? Well, in a nutshell... I love it. I am head over heels in love with it, and that was not something that I expected whatsoever. Uh, Whenever Kate Mulgrew is in something, and this has happened uh, since Voyager, and I've gone into her past career and watched certain things that she's done just because she's in them, and so I'll watch it just to see her and see her character and see how she plays it and all that fun stuff. And so I watched Orange is the New Black thinking, "Uh, it might be okay, but, you know, it's this series about a bunch of women in prison how great can it be and so I was going to watch it for her and I was just going to enjoy that much of it and I ended up completely falling in love with this show absolutely loving it what what is it about the show that hooked you what I mean your in was that you're a Kate Mulgrew fan what is it that made you stay for more the characters these brilliantly flawed, beautiful, complex characters throughout this prison. Their stories, the way we get their backstories, the way they interact with each other in the prison, what's going on in their life outside the prison even, because they're in this very isolated environment and it's so incredibly different from the rest of us out here. And uh, I think this is a very rare look at what things more or less are like in an environment like that. I mean, I know that there are critiques out there that this isn't exactly like a women's prison you know the reality of an actual women's prison Mm -hmm. but okay it's a fictional account based on some true life stuff with Piper Kerman the creator of the show she wrote a book about it all this good stuff but it's still a wonderful story it is uh I I'll say that uh I will I never was motivated to see the show uh outside of preparing for this episode well, right. I mean, last week, didn't you say you hadn't watched it yet at all? Not at all. I hadn't okay. watched so much as a second of it. I, okay. I was aware of it, and I knew it was out there. And I will say that, uh, granted, I'm only about halfway through the first season, um, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. The characters are very compelling. Uh, I think that thus far, one of the most interesting notes that I would give to anybody w- who wants to try the show out is that, in a sense, the side characters are actually more interesting than the main character. Yes. At least up to this point for me. Mm-hmm. Red especially. Um, I will say that the first episode, I could have taken or left the show, but when it came to 
the second episode, which gets more into Red's story, mm-hmm. it did become very captivating. And from that point forward, when they started devoting more time to the backstories of the women around Chapman, the show became much more addictive. It became much easier to binge watch. <laughs> I have to totally agree with you there. A lot of people will watch the pilot and, and think exactly what you said. Oh, I could take it or leave it. I mean, it's a pilot episode. It does what it has to do. It sets the stage. And it's not until that second episode where you really start to get into things. And that's a very red heavy episode. And Kate Mulgrew has an incredible performance in that episode. She truly does. And even from, but even going back to that pilot episode, to give a lot of credit to her, the episode really comes alive when you first meet her. She's the first real uh, character with real presence, uh, I felt. Yeah. She comes in at the 41-minute mark, so it's near the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And her, her first interaction with the main character of Chapman is you immediately pay more attention. She, uh, I think it mm-hmm. speaks to something that you said in last week's episode where Kate Mulgrew, coming from a theater background, won't be upstaged. I think you said something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, she just lights up any room she walks into. You immediately feel a change in energy because she is there. Right. And like she's just electrifying, you know, immediately. It, it, exactly. And so for somebody who, uh, as the series progresses, becomes uh, revealed as one of the heavy hitters in the prison, mm-hmm. somebody of great importance, somebody you don't want to be on the bad side, and somebody who has a lot of sway all the way up the food chain, including with the commanding officers and, and stuff like that. You yeah, know. and she's a long-timer. She's been there for a while, and so she does know the ropes very well. And I, I'll also say, I mean, since we're, we're, we're addressing Mulgrew as Red, that when they give her backstory in that second episode, for me her real success was when they showed her backstory and she had to convey that humanity mm-hmm. that that fragile humanity that she's obviously buried uh by the time we meet her uh in the prison that very wounded humanity that informs her need to be dominant her need to be respected uh-huh. um for you i would be interested to know what was it about her backstory like was there some specific moment where you felt that this was one of those great performances because she's gotten a lot of accolades. What was there a moment in the series, in the, in the very first part of that series, that was your first signal that, hey, she's, she's really bringing it. This is one of her great performances. Okay. It, the moment I'm going to describe is probably the one that you want me to refer to, that you're leading me right to, and it's the one where I fell in love with the character of Red and that's the scene where she is crying to her husband. Red is crying and she says, there are those that make the bread and there are those that eat the bread. And and she is trying, she was trying so hard to fit in with those Russian wives, you know, kind of trying to befriend her, the wives of the mob and whatnot and make those connections for her husband's sake. And she knows she doesn't fit in and she just wishes that she could be accepted for who she is, and nothing more, nothing less. Why isn't that okay? Why can't we just be okay with who we are? And that performance is just so impassioned. And I think anybody who has felt like a misfit at some point in their lives, and how, how many of us can say that we have? I mean, we should all be able to say that. That just grabbed me so much. I mean, I, that came from somewhere. It did. I, I, real, I really agree with you because I know with her background, she came from a, a large family, mm-hmm. uh, a Nine lot of kids. brothers and sisters. And so I think that there's very much that sense that she, she can tap into that, that need to feel loved and accepted and feeling a little bit on the outside. Um, my, my immediate family wasn't particularly large, but I had a very large extended family that I saw on a regular basis. And so uh-huh. there was... I think you're right that she that that came from somewhere for her. For me, the real the real hook moment was when she confronted the lead Russian wife 
Oh, uh, the tit punch. Yes, the tit punch. <laughs> was... Which is the title of that episode for <laughs> very good cause. It, it, perfect. <laughs> and <laughs> but there because there's a moment where she she comes across and she has that fit of rage that that's rooted in why won't you understand me why won't you accept me mm-hmm. and the moment that she delivers the the previously mentioned punch her face immediately changes she suddenly realizes she's lost control and mm-hmm. for me that's really i this is the first show i think that has made great use and th- this is sort of high praise I, i'd like to get your your take i i see a lot of notes of lost about this show and I'd be interested to see if you pick up on that same similar sort of vibe I hate to tell you then that I've not seen enough of lost to really know I haven't gotten lost in lost I'm sorry it was just one of those shows where it took off and all of my friends were watching it and I knew I was already behind at that point and so I just never watched that much of it I'm going to lost shame you now for I am a lost please and I, I wow I'm I'm just about <laughs> ready to ship the episodes out to you so that you can just binge watch them. <laughs> are they on Netflix at all? Because if they are, I will add them in my queue. I don't think so because Lost really is a show where, um, I, I mean, a, a difference would be you could pick up Orange is the New Black a couple of episodes in, but Lost, you really got to start from the, from the very beginning. So um, I've heard, right. Yeah. And so that's a commitment. Well, yeah, uh, but th- there are, there was a very compelling technique that they used on Lost where they told everybody's backstory through these intercut flashbacks. Oh, okay. By no means uh, is it the only show that's ever done it, but Orange is the New Black is the first show that I've encountered that has used it to equal effect. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty amazing how they uh, execute this. Because it feels very natural, and a lot of times flashbacks do not feel very natural. Right, and and what's in, what's doubly interesting is the the flashbacks. I mean, granted, I'm still fairly early on, so you can probably speak more to the series as a whole. I mean, the, the flashbacks do behave as a play within a play, but what's really mm-hmm. unique about them is that they stand on their own. It really is like watching two episodes at once, as opposed mm-hmm. to one episode sort of mishmashed together yeah you're absolutely right and i would say for the series as a whole it only gets better from here on out season two will have even more flashbacks for you to watch and i feel like the storytelling gets even more like even more streamlined that much more complex and that much more interesting to watch well i would be interested to know do they use the old canard as the show progresses of finding out that people were crossing paths before they came into the prison? Or do they keep people's backstories separate? Oh, I don't want to give too much away. There's a little bit... There are maybe a few thin threads, but not a whole lot. It's not going to be quite as interconnected as you might think. Okay. Yeah, by and large, I'd say they're more separate. Okay, well, that would definitely set it apart from Lost then. Because with Lost, I don't think that there was a single character that didn't appear in somebody's backstory at some point. Okay, no, it's not nearly that interwoven. There's a couple of people who knew each other prior to the present day because of certain reasons, but they're not in every each other's stories at all. Really, okay. No. Okay. No, well, that, that's that good to know. Uh, now, I've seen Red become established by Mulgrew and. There are certain things I, I've been trying to watch it from the perspective of I know what she's done with Janeway. I know what she's done with other characters in her past. And so it's very interesting to try to find those threads of performance. What are those things that only she can do or that she's really good at bringing to the forefront? Mm-hmm. And what what tying aspects of her do you see? Just doing a comparison, say, of Red and Janeway where do you see things lining up? What, for lack of a better term, what sort of like um, actor's trick do you see her using to convey something that you recognize from her time on Voyager? Uh, I think she is very good at using things like her posture uh, and Mm, her face to convey emotions. 
and especially things like dominance and power, which both characters possessed. And even though Red's in a prison, she she runs that kitchen and it's everything to her because it's mm-hmm. all that she has. And of course, Janeway has to run the ship. And uh, Mulgrew's face is fantastic because, A, she has the best smirk of anybody I know. Uh, yes, I agree with you. That <laughs> it's one of the best smirks on television, no doubt. I love Kate Mulgrew's smirk. And it, it just, I don't know, she could say a thousand snarky things uh, with a straight face, but that smirk could equal anything out of, out of her mouth. Um, so the power of her facial expression, the way she uses it for both Red and Janeway, but not necessarily in the same ways, extremely powerful. Like if you had the TV on mute, you mm-hmm. could tell what Red is thinking. And that's a sign of a very good actor or actress. I, I, I can see that. I can absolutely see. Um, I think of one scene in particular. Uh, it's from the episode called The Chickening. Oh, yes, The Chickening. Where Chapman is trying to talk herself out of the hole that she's gotten herself into with Red again for mm-hmm. blabbing about the chicken. And that is a scene where you could turn it on mute because when the camera fixes on her and you see chapman sell her on that you need to be the one that wants the chicken the most of all that's <laughs> such a great moment it is that's my chicken yes yes <laughs> so good that's probably my second favorite moment of season one behind the punch yeah well hey great so i don't need to watch any more of the show is what you're saying uh, like are I've, you kidding I've hit the two me high points no, oh, no 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 i mean those are Good moments of season one, but you've got so much to look forward to in in the next episodes. It's going to get very interesting. But then season two has some great red moments. So don't you dare miss out on those now that you're watching the show. Okay, okay. You I, will I regret will, that. I will stay committed. I will stay okay. committed. If you stay committed to that, maybe I'll start watching Lost. How about that? Hey, that's a fair, you know what? Deal? We all win. We okay, all winning. win in this situation. Winning. Yay, us. <laughs> we made Webcam it. high five. Yeah. Woohoo. Woo. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's interesting to me about the show, though, uh, aside from Mulgrew, is looking at I can't help but look at um, uh, Jason Biggs and Natasha Leone, mm-hmm. both from American Pie. <laughs> yes. And it's one of those things where I almost <laughs> wish I had a time machine to go back and meet them back then and say, kids, come on over here. Let me break something down for you. Did you know that the two of you are going to be in a women's prison show that's not on Cinemax? And they would look at me and they would say, what? I was like, it'll make sense in about two decades. Don't worry about it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, nobody had any envisioning whatsoever, I don't think, of Netflix launching its own TV series or TV series and streaming them online and all of that stuff. And then just, yeah, have both of those actors in the same show playing very different people uh, yeah. Than we know them from American Pie. Very interesting that, and yet it fits. But what's so what's so strange about the execution of the show? There were a couple of things that I noted, and the structure of the show. It's Netflix is designed for binge watching. Oh yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Yet they took the time to make a proper credits sequence at the beginning with a theme yeah. song. What do you think of this theme song? Not to cut you off, but I am curious about this because people either love it or hate it. Oh, I like it. I, I think it's I think it's a, a really good use of uh, the you know the different um, just that montage of faces mm-hmm. cut up in in a certain way, and I think that it's a really it's a good song. You know, it's sort of a punkish song, and so it's uh-huh. a lot yeah. of fun to listen to. Yeah, some people don't like the singer's voice, and I think it, you know, they find that off putting, and so they don't like the song, but I think it's very fitting. I, for yeah, I, the way I the agree. show comes off. But it, it's so interesting to me that they feel committed to having a theme song with an opening montage like that, considering the fact that they know that the entire season goes up at once. This isn't a week to week thing. You don't have to change your mood or your outlook between episodes or anything like that Mm -hmm. so i'm very intrigued about the decision to spend that time. i mean obviously you have to show you know your cast names and everything like that but they still devote the time to having a song instead of just going straight in 
Right. I mean, it's what, a good solid minute? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I have to ask you, just out of pure curiosity, do you have any theories as to why they did this? Oh, wow. Um, no, I don't. Okay. I mean, he, <laughs> well, I don't either, but you know, you're, you're a big TV and movie buff, hence why you're a co-host of Commentary Trek Stars. So I had to ask the question because maybe you knew something that I didn't or I don't know. That would be a really good thing to ask Genji Cohen or any of the writers or, or the creators why they made that decision. I've never heard anybody ask that before. That's yeah, brilliant. Well, we have to go to a convention then where they're going to we have to go to some sort of convention and ask this question. One of the two of us. This is up to us now. <laughs> we have to go out. We have to find the answer to this. I mean, if I were uh, to venture a theory i would say because yes everybody binge watches but not everybody binge watches non-stop and i do think that this is the type of show where it is important to sort of slap the audience into the mood of it mm -hmm. for instance if i'm going through netflix and i decide to watch i don't know how i met your mother or i'm watching scooby-doo with the kids and then i turn on Orange is the New Black, with the kids not in the room, of course. This isn't really family <laughs> entertainment. Right. No kids watching Orange is the New Black, please. Yeah, well, you know, not yet at least. Not uh, but yet. <laughs> yeah, wait a few years until they get exposed to this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I don't want social services knocking on my door anytime soon. <laughs> uh, you said what in school? Oh, yeah, God. exactly. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it is a good transition. You know, it is quick. And it, you do get that feeling for the show immediately coming into it. So it's true. Yeah, you really might be onto something here because, let's say, if you have been watching something else on Netflix or wherever, you are going to have to shift gears to really put yourself into Orange is the New Black mode and be present with what's happening in the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it gives you that immediate feel. What's interesting, though, is that feel. What's so interesting to me about Mulgrew's performance is she feels different than the other characters. How so? I, to me, she feels more, uh, she feels for some reason more sympathetic than the other characters up to this point. Okay. Because, probably because I haven't found out what she did or what she had in the freezer when she got busted. <laughs> uh-huh, right. I wonder if we're ever going to find that out. I well, hey, spoiler alert! Come on, now I know I'm not going to find out. Well, but. not yet. I mean, season three is going to be coming out, buddy. That's true. That's true. You're just going to catch up to the rest of us, and we still may or may not know. You know but what? Spoiler I, alert! I, nevertheless, I'm sorry. Shar <laughs> uh, will be sitting in the corner, the podcasting corner, for the rest of the show now. Yeah, so. I have I have the dunce hat on. I mean, I, I screwed up with Lost, and now this. I'm doing all of the fail here. That's yeah. The, oh, yeah. All of the fail. All the fail. Uh, I'm so sorry, John. I'm a bad co-host. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, <laughs> I would say, though, that uh, there's one specific scene that I think makes Red extremely sympathetic. Um, and it is where you believe that the, and I don't know the character names well enough, but there's the very heavy set woman who's upset that her ex lover is leaving and is connected with the blonde one with the cornrows oh um, okay um I and you think she's i always forget use... that character oh um it's it's boo boo yes and you think boo is going to do some harm to some people yeah and okay. she seems to be gearing up for that at a certain moment and mulgrew as red comes in with a tray of corn and comes in and just leans back and sets it down and looks at her and says basically just let it go it's okay mm -hmm. and she diffuses the entire situation she seems to be somebody who uses her power responsibly inside the prison which is almost at odds with some of the officer characters like you would rather see yes. red in charge than the guy with the uh the mustache yeah, he's uh, called Porn Stash by a lot yes. of the fan base. <laughs> Porn Stash. Nice. Uh, but, you know, for instance, that character as he's sort of cartoony in his, you know, villainish way, villainous ways. Mm -hmm. 
you but you'd rather see red in charge than him oh yeah totally because right. <laughs> you really want porn stash to go down yes yes you do and that sentence out of context sounds really strange but we'll move yeah don't think of it like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i Welcome mean that in like destroyed or something of that <laughs> of, of that way not the other way yes yeah indeed um, <laughs> me and my mouth always getting into trouble <laughs> <laughs> i don't know honestly i think that makes up for any of the fail earlier with lost so we're, we're back on even ground now even so. keel score yes. okay but um you know in, in terms of uh mulgrew's career you said this actually on the other side of the room and I, i'm gonna steal it from you steal it she has had a rich acting career that spans four decades, which is a fact. That is it very is. true. It's fact. But as as you also pointed out, she hasn't really garnered a lot of award acclaim. She has her no. fans, but she doesn't have a wall of trophies behind her for what she's done. She got one nomination for a Golden Globe in 1980 for Mrs. Columbo. Mm-hmm. But now she was nominated for a primetime Emmy in 2014 for Outstanding Supporting Actress. She was. Yeah, it's really not been until recently with Orange is the New Black that she's been all of a sudden nominated for the bigger, more prestigious awards. Because, I mean, she's been nominated for stuff and she's even won some things like Saturn Awards. You know, she uh, won a uh, Best Genre TV Actress Award in, in 98 for Janeway and that sort of a thing. And uh, the Critics' Choice Awards, um, Orange is the New Black won that. And they've been nominated for so much stuff. And, like, Orange is the New Black won the SAG Awards uh, this year. For ensemble year. cast? The or entire cast. It was yeah. for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. Which, I, even not having seen all two seasons by this point i i guarantee you it deserved uh hands down <laughs> um, <laughs> it is an amazing ensemble cast because there's a lot of ladies in this cast and it is, mm -hmm. it is very largely a, a women focused show which in and of itself is kind of unusual which makes it unique you know i want to ask you about that because okay. I, I tend to have a big blind spot to those sorts of issues that somebody might bring up where representation of groups on television like I I, I sort of um, I refer to it as having George Lucas blinders where I'm looking at story to the point where I'm not even noticing other aspects like performance or composition of the cast or anything like that to a certain point but I think it's very right of you to point out that this is a women focused primarily women performed show which really, when you think about it, is a, that's an extreme rarity. That's an oddity in the TV landscape. It really is. I mean, short of this show, it really just doesn't happen very often at all. I mean, you have maybe a couple of female main characters, like Laverne and Shirley, or maybe you've got a female lead. But there's always, you know, it's more, it's 50-50 at best, usually. But this is very much, I would say, mm, 80-20. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you'd almost have to go all the way back. I mean, in my memory, you'd almost have to go all the way back to, uh, like, designing women. Oh, yeah. Uh, Great which is example. Not to say that, but it's not to say that designing women is as good as Orange is the New Black. Mm, but no. No. Afraid not. Not, <laughs> not really, despite the presence of Meshach Taylor, who really carried the film mannequin, but that's a story. He was awesome. Day. And that was a great show, but in terms of quality viewing, I would say you're going to get a lot more out of Orange is the New Black than you ever will out of Designing Women. Yes. And I, do you think that this can sort of herald in a new willingness on the part of the people, the producers, the people who fund shows, to take more risks if you will on an all-female cast to be willing to say look at the giant success here of orange is the new black we don't have to be afraid of the women's ensemble show anymore i think it's inevitable because orange is the new black has now opened that door they're just the first we're going to have tons of copycats after this probably to the point where we as an audience are going to start getting sick of it many years down the line depending on how imaginative and creative these shows in the future are going to be 
but we're not ever going to forget. Orange is the New Black was really the first one that really pounded that door down and opened that door. And I, I think especially with newer, bolder networks like Netflix and Hulu, Amazon, this is just going to explode, quite frankly. But you know what else is going to happen, I think, is the fact that Netflix shows are ever so slowly breaking down the door of the big award shows now kind of establishes a little bit more credibility and I kind of hate to say that because it it does but it doesn't do you know what I mean like it does mean something to win a big award like a primetime Emmy or whatnot um, yeah uh, well I, I think it, I think it means a lot primarily to the people who are going to bankroll the shows because the awards can can give those people an excuse to put the money up for something. I think the reason you That's, see copycats is yeah. because the people who are creating the shows can go to the people who are funding the shows and say, look, that was successful. I have a similar idea. Right. It's that professional recognition. Right. And like we were saying earlier, Kate doesn't have a whole shelf of trophies in her house. Um, but I think Orange is the New Black, honestly, might change that. She very well might win a really big award or several, and I'm sure that's something she'll appreciate, but it's not everything to her. I don't think in the end like it's going to be the touchstone of her career or anything like that. She'll be grateful, but win or lose, it's just kind of all the same to her. What do you think? Well, I'm almost afraid because I think you're right. I think it brings more attention to her. I think she gets more recognition overall, but there's almost a hindrance to the individual recognition of an actor when they're in a strong cast as a whole you see it a lot mm -hmm. of times with the oscars when two people from the same movie get nominated for something yes the third person who had nothing to do with that superior product wins because those two people split the vote and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. And actually, sorry to cut you off, but no, no. Orange is the New Black has encountered this uh, many times because of things like Best Supporting Actress. Well, there's so many awesome ladies in this cast. Several of them have gotten nominated for awards, and, well, you can only have one winner. Well, and that actually, that speaks back to the series we did on LeVar Burton, where when Roots was up for awards, yeah. there were so many strong performances and so many nominated performances that LeVar Burton winds up not winning because somebody else from Roots won, but it was it mm -hmm. was going to be somebody from Roots. It was just who was it going to be from Roots right. that won Yeah, it's war. that game. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're right that the, award, the awards aren't why Kate Mulgrew is in the business. I don't think anybody stays oh, in all. the business for decades if awards are their sole motivating factor. I will say that I would like to see her get, uh, you know, maybe even besides awards, I'd like to see her get more offers of substantive parts in films because of something mm. like this. I would like to see her get some strong lead or supporting opportunities because somebody sees her on Orange is the New Black and says, wow, look what she can bring we can have her, you know, lead this small independent movie or be a supporting actor in this, you know, whatever type of movie, not just small independent movies, but I hope it gives her the exposure where more people get that doorway into her as a performer, that this gives her the opportunity to perform even more in more diverse roles so that she can truly bring in more fans. And as a Star Trek Voyager fan, that should overjoy you because as more and more people <laughs> learn about her, they'll say, hey, wait a minute. What about this show Voyager that came out in the 90s? Sure. Right. Yeah, of course. I know a lot of people actually who started out watching Orange is the New Black had no idea that she played Captain Janeway on Voyager and then went back and watched Voyager and could not believe that the same person portrayed both of those characters. And I think you're on to something right toward the very end. You said something about more diverse roles. I hope that is Mulgrew's future because she is truly dedicated to acting. I think it is the biggest, greatest force in her whole life that guides her is her passion to act. 
and she is a very capable actress and she's never really uh, not since the voyager days really like struggled to have work or anything like that i mean she continued to do things on stage and film on tv she's done quite a bit but i'm thinking in the future because of what she's done with red and when orange is the new black is over i think she's going to keep getting these bigger meatier roles and more diverse and complicated roles because she can do them right just taking those two performances she's not a one-note performer and oh not she, at all she has shown i think just with two performances right here an incredible range even though we, mm -hmm. we discussed earlier there are similarities in her presentation of certain emotions they're still very different roles and, very much and I, I would love to see her get more screen time out of this yeah well and i think that's going to be the case i don't think kate mulgrew is going to stop acting anytime soon and performing on this kind of a level i can't see how she wouldn't continue to get work yeah it, i just wonder uh what is it that's waiting for her in the wings i mean i know oh, that she's man who knows right yeah. isn't that a great question what yeah it would be it would be absolutely wonderful just to see her go into something that is I, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, she is such a gifted actress, and it's just, I, you know, I want to see her play I, I, something that, that just has that, you know, that slam-bang punch. You know, like, I, I want to see, see somebody give her the opportunity not just to use the acting arsenal that she has, but just let it loose. Just go nuts with it and, you know, do what she will. So, yeah. Who knows? That, yeah, who, who, knows who knows where this will all lead, and who knows maybe Red will ultimately be the the capstone of her career, M meaning that she is going to do something that just absolutely transcends everything else that she's done prior. And even though we've already been blown away by this character, I have no idea what's going to happen in the years to come. Nobody does. It's it could happen within a couple of years, and we're just going to pick our jaws up from the floor well, and know that that's it. Yeah. Ho hopefully it's something that uh, basically she garners a lot of fans and as Trek fans, we'll keep an eye on her, you know, moving forward and uh, definitely be aware of, you know, the new developments that come out of this. Maybe, maybe she'll follow in the fine tradition of other Trek actors and turn her attentions toward directing a couple of episodes of Orange is the New Black. You know, I, I, I actually don't think that's going to happen. Kate's never really expressed an interest in directing whatsoever. One thing that I do think she might do more of in the future, though, is write. Okay. Because she has a book coming out in April. I don't know if you know this. Yes, but please tell the audience about it. Okay, sure. Yeah, she has a memoir that she wrote at the very end of last year. It's called Born With Teeth, and it is a memoir of her life leading up to about midway through Voyager's run. So it's not a complete autobiography, but it is a journey of her life and the things that she has gone through. And one of the big stories that she tells is the fact that when she was a very young actress, she got pregnant and gave up a child for adoption. And this is the story of her uh, finding the daughter that she gave up. That's a big that... component of it. And then who knows what else is in there? <laughs> well, I... I think we all know that any Trek-themed site is going to skip to those chapters immediately, but I would be really intrigued to see her take that. I bet that she could very easily turn that into a script, produce something oh, I'm sure. based on her life. And she might yeah. even, since this isn't a complete autobiography or memoir, maybe she'll go down the same road that Alec Guinness did and write three of them. Uh, before <laughs> shuffling off this mortal coil. Yeah, uh, that would be fantastic. We will inevitably need at least a part two. We know that much now. Well, as any any good actor or actress knows, uh, you always leave them wanting more. So she's <laughs> absolutely doing that by only writing that far through her life. I tell you what, Kate Mulgrew definitely does do that. Yes, she does. Uh, but um, actually, speaking about writing... Uh, as it relates to uh, people tied to Star Trek, there is some Trek news that we should probably touch on. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, first is uh, Trek alum Brandon Braga, both a writer and producer for various Trek series, um, was a winner at the Producers Guild Awards for, for his work on Cosmos. Fantastic. 
which was uh, very well received. And of course, Ar- you mentioned Orange is the New Black won the uh, the SAG Award. It also won a Producers Guild Award uh, for Outstanding uh, Comedy. Great. And in truly big writing news, turns out that those rumors about Star Star Trek three thirteen or whatever we're whatever you want to call it at this fa- point, Fast and the Trekkiest um, <laughs> has a new writing team. Uh, Doug Jung and uh, Simon Pegg. Of course, everybody knows what Simon Pegg has done. Uh, I, I, w- I would hesitate to think that anybody hasn't seen Shaun of the Dead at the very least. I would say there's a very small minority. Probably so. But, th- you know, he he's no stranger to the uh, world of science fiction and the world of comedy. Um, no. And, of course, he's Scotty. New he Scotty. Is, yes, he is Scotty, who is the comic relief. And, and you better know that much, at the yes. very least. I- exactly, exactly. If you don't, what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> you are aware <laughs> you're on Trek FM. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's an interesting note, because some people initially, when they heard the news that Peg was going to be on the new writing team, they said, oh, well, wait a minute, he's only written comedies, really, before this. And... Uh, I think it was Joss Whedon that said, uh, once you can do comedy, you can do anything. So oh, Okay, I didn't know he said that. Yeah, so, uh, well, I mean, Whedon's origins are all in very comedic, popular zeitgeist sort of stuff, and that led to Avengers. That's true. So, That's true. That's true. So there um, you go, from experience. Yeah, exactly. And uh, joining him, of course, is Doug Jung whose body of work is far less familiar to people. Um, his most notable... Yeah. Uh, writing effort was a movie called Confidence, which came out some time ago, back when everybody thought that Edward Burns was going to become a movie star. Who? And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate to admit it, but I honestly have no idea really what Doug. I, I'm going to say Young, because I have it. a psychology I, background. I don't know if it's Jung <laughs> or Young. Somebody please write in to Commentary Trek Stars and. Uh, yes. e- either correct me or say that I'm right. One of the two. Uh, yeah, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if I've seen anything that he has written. I don't know much about him. Well, I know that he has a uh, current TV series, but I haven't seen it called Banshee. So this will be a little bit of work for all of us to uh, investigate his background and vet him as to whether we uh, give a, a mighty thumbs up or thumbs down on his participation in this greatest <laughs> of franchises that we call Star Trek. Yes, this will be interesting. I am very intrigued by the idea of Simon Pegg writing the next Star Trek movie. I think this is a very good move, though. I have a lot of confidence in him. I, You know, I, I agree with you, uh, largely because Trek has a great history of giving its actors an opportunity to go and do something behind the camera, whether it's writing or directing, mm-hmm. and giving them the opportunity to prove their skills. So, right. I mean, you know, you have Brakes and you have Burton and you have, I mean, the list goes on and on. A lot of people have been through the Star Trek School of Directing, as we've called it on TTJ before. <laughs> but then also like writing, that. too. Robert Picardo wrote a script. Yes. And uh, so... It'll definitely be interesting. I, I think that um, what's doubly interesting is that Payne and McKay, who obviously co-wrote the the first version of the script at the very least, mm-hmm. being replaced speaks a lot to that rumor that was originally shot down of the script wasn't working and Paramount got nervous and said, no, 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 we're not going to shoot this. We We need a rework right now. Which was originally, you know, Orsi originally denied that that was the case. Well, of course he did. Yes, that's He had true. to, I'm sure. That's true. I'm sure he won't mind having his name still be attached as producer and making a truckload of cash. So yeah, that can't be too bad, right? <laughs> it, helps, <laughs> it helps with the coping. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All that yeah. money for the martinis. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, of course, speaking of Payne and McKay, um, they are actually potentially going to be sharing a created by credit with uh, Evan Katz and another Star Trek alum, Enterprise's Manny Cotto, uh, for a potential live-action X-Men TV series. Okay. Wow, that's interesting. It is. It's very, very interesting. I like that guy. Yeah, hey, he's... 
he's created some quality television. Yes, he I, has. I, I'm a huge 24 <laughs> fan, and they're actually uh, he's actually in talks now to potentially do another limited run 24 series. I in heard about that. Um, Are you on board for that idea, or do you not want it to happen? I'll watch Jack Bauer kick terrorists out of a nursing home. That is a <laughs> format that I will never get sick of. I just love because it makes no. I mean, talk about a television show that just embraces what it is. Mm -hmm. It's hey guys, what's going on? We're yeah, it's gonna be a lot of gunfire and explosions. So uh, sit back and enjoy. And <laughs> hey, you sold me. All right then. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, All right. Well, that's interesting. But like you said, it's a possibility. It's not set in stone yet. Like the paperwork has not been signed, right? It's <laughs> well, yeah. With all of the fighting going on between 20th Century Fox and Marvel over the Fantastic Four, this could be an interesting what if scenario. Uh, <laughs> there might be a lot of plot else. twists. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, okay. I think Mar Marvel's kind of the big dog on the planet right now in terms of production companies. So mm, yeah. if they have to sign off on it, if this doesn't take off, maybe Manny Cotto can get a job with them and, uh, and ply his trade over there. So, <laughs> All right. Well, we will see. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. So uh, that's uh, pretty much the news uh, so far as the Trekiverse uh, is is concerned right now. So just to sort of bring it back to Kate Mulgrew and her time with Orange is the New Black, do you have any final thoughts about the show? Mm. I'm not sure if there's a whole lot more I could add that hasn't already been said. It's a fantastic show. Like I said at the very top, it wasn't a show I was expecting to get into, and then I really just got sucked in. And right. so a, a word of warning to those of you, if you haven't watched it and you're intrigued and you want to watch it, be prepared to give up a whole weekend binging on Netflix because once you start, you're not going to be able to stop. It really is that good. And uh, because it is a female-centric cast, like if, if that seems like something you wouldn't care for, you're wrong. Oh, absolutely. Uh, definitely the writing and performances on this show – um, like I said, I, I, I can have blinders on this story is so good that you forget it's an all female show at points. Yeah. You this really is such a diverse cast. There really is something for everybody in this cast. You know how you always find that character you identify with on a show that yeah. you closely relate to, man, if you can't find a character you relate to on this show, I don't know who you are. I'm kind of terrified to find out who I might feel I relate to. Right, to be because there's a little bit of everything in this, and so it, it's just so incredibly good. Just watch the show already. I I think that that is a ringing endorsement that uh, I can I can uh, rubber stamp that and say right on, Char. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> So it's been fun talking about Orange is the New Black today, uh, but this is just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Because it's, it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bige sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bige card, Klingon word for pain. So is it birthday? It is. It is. It, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would, I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. One of the most well thought out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because the Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action, adventure, road race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. 
And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. So, Char, uh, before we go, uh, you want to tell people where they can reach you? Yeah, certainly. If you'd like to contact me, you can do so on Twitter. My handle is OhTheProfanity, and yes, it contains profanity. Yes, there there is a parental warning on that handle. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah, I thought my latest uh, avatar should oh, be a little extra caution. Follow just for the avatar. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was just bored one day on my lunch break at work and threw that thing together and just wanted to employ actually <laughs> some new things in Photoshop that I learned. And so that was the result of that. Fantastic. Uh, but every Thursday, you can listen to me and Tristan Riddell talk about Star Trek Voyager. And uh, yeah, that's here uh, on Trek FM. What, what's the name of that show again? <laughs> <laughs> to the journey! To the journey! Yay! All right, I'll, I'll give you that one. And of course, uh, you can find uh, this show at ComTrackStars. Uh, you can follow Mike at Mumbles3K on Twitter. And you can find me causing all sorts of trouble and uh, stirring things up at Kessel Junkie. Uh, and you can hear me on this show uh, every week. And I'm also on another little show called Words with Nerds that I host with my buddy Craig, talking about diverse topics. So uh, we hope to uh, hear you uh, all across the board. So, Char, thank you very much for joining me this week. Very much appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks very much for having me, and thanks to Mike and Max as well. Yes, and a, uh, a very hearty congratulations and a wish for kapla on uh, Max's wedding. Yes, I hope they had some blood wine. <laughs> How can you not? <laughs>